I'm the king of the swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. Hey everybody, you're listening to Parents Uncut with your host Aaron. Today we're talking about what it's like being a parent whilst you serve your country in the military. With the help of sneakers and stuff and shoe shame, you can find this show on the SNS app, iTunes podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast outlets. With that being said, today's guest is an old friend of mine from my hometown. We've shared good times and pretty bad times, but now we get to share parenthood, which is amazing. He is big into outdoors from running, rock climbing, surfing, wakeboarding, kite surfing, snowboarding, all of it. He has an active daughter, Isabel, and a future heartbreaker of a son, Ollie, ages six and three. My mate, Sigzy. How are you, Sigs? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. That's all right. Thanks for uh, agreeing to come on. I know it's a bit daunting sometimes, you know. Well, it's been... Uh... Been a long time since we've probably caught up, mate. So it's uh, nice to have a little gym wag over such an important uh, topic. I know it really has. It has been uh, probably quite a few years. It's, it's one of those weird things, you know. I've been reaching out to people to come on the show, and um, I, I kind of know. So you know, shit. I haven't actually spoken to this person in like ten years or something. Like, there's a little Instagram back and forth here and there, like, oh yeah, this, that, and the other, but not actually like. A, full-on hard conversation you know not hard not like difficult but you know like just a full-on conversation and um so yeah it's really it's really nice to be able to you know be in a position to talk about something that we have so highly in common you know oh, i couldn't agree more mate couldn't agree more uh it's uh it's really good to be on really good to be talking to you uh through the trials and tribulations of being a dad and uh <laughs> Good to hear from your side of the fence as well, even though it's a bit more in its fledgling or infancy than than mine, but it's still good. I'm sure we've uh, shared many of the same moments. Oh, you can give me some uh, tips. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> I can impart some uh, some how to not do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, look, let's, um, let's get fully stuck in. You are in the uh, Defence Forces military. Uh, the ministry of defense is what it's called here defense forces is australian um so you've been in there for what 16 years 15 16 yeah yeah it's amazing how quick it's gone to be honest um yeah turn back and suddenly it's uh almost 16 years so quite a long time crazy man it's like a whole like teenage person's worth of life yeah I'm certainly uh, starting to see it now with some of the younger guys coming through. And you think, shit, you were born in 2000 and what? <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, uh, yeah, puts it into perspective a little bit, but um, still enjoying it. It's busy as ever, but no, it's good. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and then obviously you're, not obviously, obviously to me, but uh, you're married. You've been married for eight years to uh, Molly. Yep. Have indeed, mate. And uh, yeah, she's a, she's a solicitor, so she's she's busy trying to carve her own career into into the world as well as managing the kids whilst I gallivant around and play soldier boy. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's a busy, busy time. So talking about that, uh, there's a really good segue. Um, gallivanting around, 
you know, obviously, you know, you've been married for a few years and then you're like, right, let's, um, or maybe you didn't decide, but you know, let's have kids. Um, how was that? How was that conversation? Obviously, you know, you have, um, a career that potentially you have to relocate or, or not necessarily relocate, but, um, you have to go on, on deployments, um, potentially often. So how was that? Like, um, if you don't mind me asking, that's sort of like, you know, let's have kids, potentially I'm not going to be there. So it, it was it was tricky, I'm, I'm not going to lie. So essentially, I, I made a bit of a, a loose promise to Molly that, you know, we'd never have kids whilst I was in the army because I wasn't planning on staying in for, for that long. <laughs> and uh, instantly blew that promise out of the water. Um, but we decided it was it was best not to, to wait and good job we didn't because I'm still in the army. Yeah. Um, and we would, we would, we'd have kids. So yeah, we sort of just uh, just went for it. And um, I suppose the the rest is history. But it definitely definitely crossed our minds about the whole moving about stuff. And uh, you, you know, you sort of think about continuity of of their sort of friendship groups and their education and stuff like that and how it's going to affect them and you get get way ahead of yourself before they've even been born Mm. so we we dialed it back and then just thought about you know we could start a young family ultimately they're not really affected until they're they're kind of at school and then um adam will definitely be out of the army then and and i'm definitely still in the army (laughs) but yeah that was the kind of the conversation we had yeah well no it's interesting you say it because like Although I'm, I mean, to anyone who knows me, obviously I'm not in the army or anything like that. Um, but we, Sophie and I had a, a similar sort of conversation. You know, we moved from Australia to Sweden and we were like, oh, I don't know, like this and the other. And just like you and Molly getting really ahead of yourself. And it's like, realistically, you've probably got five years to play with, five or six years to play with um, before schooling and things like that um so with um isabel being six um during that first sort of six years did you find yourselves having to relocate a lot or was it pretty pretty easy going no it was uh it was really difficult actually man so isabel had by the age of four i think she had had five houses so you know, it's pretty, pretty tricky stuff. And, right. And you know, as well as most who have done at least one house move with a child, it is quite stressful. <laughs> yeah. um, and one of those also was overseas. So, yeah. So Isabel moved overseas when she was, uh, she must have been nine months old. And we spent a couple of years overseas. Uh, before then, we, we moved back and, um, and then had Ollie, so yeah, it was uh, it was pretty tough, and uh, and I sort of had to change my outlook on my career a little bit because at one stage, Belle was eighteen months old, and I've been away like nine months of her life, right. so I kind of felt that we didn't have the same connection that perhaps Ollie and I do now because of the the change in direction and the sort of. Uh, I don't want to say sacrifices, but the, the decisions I made for for my career for the sort of better, greater good of the family, so to speak. Hmm. Um, it's interesting. Again, a good segue. Uh, but it, you know, it's interesting you bring up um, 
that relationship. So was Isabel aware or did it seem that she was aware that, you know, daddy is not here? So I I don't think so, um, is my honest answer. Hmm. And we certainly have like a great relationship now. She's a proper daddy's girl. Um, But I did did notice, you know, when I was away quite a bit in the early stage of her life, um, she, she wouldn't want to go to me as much as she'd go to Molly and stuff like that, which does make it difficult when you're trying to do your bit for the family right. and help out and you, you know, you've been away and then you come back and you want to sort of take some of the burden off Molly and, and be a parent. And it's tricky when your own daughter sort of doesn't doesn't know you as well as you'd hoped, but what, what can you expect when, when you're away so much? So, yeah, that... Uh, that's tricky and it does it does you know have a bit of effect on you and that was going to be my follow-up like what sort of effects did it have on you because obviously you have um when you're doing your job you have to be doing your job like that's like some people can kind of get away with not really doing their job like but you have to do your job 100 percent focused so is that something that's quite easy to kind of shut off like that you've learned to do that or is that something that's like little niggles in the back of your head yeah i mean it's i'm pretty good at like compartmentalizing stuff and, and pushing it to one side what when we're busy and and um working long hours and stuff like that but it's in in the army you're either like mega busy or suddenly there's like nothing and um you, you get a lot of time to to consider your decisions and right. uh, and your direction in life and, and what you're doing and what the family are doing back at home and uh that that's the difficult time and when you when you're trying to get some sort of like zoom connection in the middle of nowhere and you've got to like walk halfway up a fucking mm. mountain to uh to sort of get some sort of signal and then you ring home and uh y- your wife it tells you it's not a good time and you're like Brilliant. I just, you know, walked half a mile to get this signal and this rubbish dongle. And can I not yeah. just see it well for like five yeah. minutes? And, you know, and then she's like, no, you really can't. It's really not a good time. Bathing, bathing the kids and, you know, can't just let me know when you're going to ring and stuff. And you're like, brilliant. Thanks. Try not to get into an argument about something as trivial as that. But yeah, when it, when both of you sort of missing each other and just trying to, do the right thing it's it's complex it's difficult yeah definitely and i think um that's one of those really difficult things to navigate in general just you know a work life kids um sort of flow at home let alone if you're sort of taken sort of out of the equation um with that being said though with ollie was it something was it similar or was it like you know we we've we've done this already once so we sort of we know kind of what we're doing in terms of you know if you were away etc like that so was the second time around a bit easier so it was a lot easier so i um i made a decision that i wanted to be around a bit more for the kids uh i haven't looked at the sort of stats ratio to dad at home ratio to dad away with isabel i thought was like not great um and i didn't like have kids not to see mm. them or ship them off so i um i took a job that 
career-wise was was advised it's not so good yeah um, but it would essentially make me non-deployable and give me that continuity with um ollie because we were planning to have a second and obviously continuity of isabel and stuff like that so uh, yeah it was it was difficult decision to make but i think it's the right one for the family and um in the end i sort of made it my own and it worked out all right but yeah, I remember at the time my boss saying, you know, I don't think you should do this job. I think it's you know not the right one for you. It won't shape your career profile as well. You perhaps won't promote as quick to certain ranks and um, you should reconsider. Mm. And then I sort of laid out the situation at home and I said, you know, it's not like we're having difficulties with marriage or anything like that. It's just that I want to see the kids a little bit more, I want to be around a bit more. I think this is valuable opportunity to to see them but also extend my sort of uh, academia for, for future roles and future jobs and uh, and perhaps you know life outside the army so he sort of got it and um yeah it meant that i was three years not not deployable um and it meant that i got to take you know, isabel to nursery and then pretty much look after ollie as much mm. as as a normal dad can do in a job that you don't get sent all over the place so so that was was really good except obviously after three years that ended and then ollie was like still struggles a little bit with me going away now so that's that's the only downside to it but i think um having that early years with him and re, re sort of kindling our relationship with isabel was really worthwhile absolutely man um I feel like, again, it's not like totally relatable. Um, it's about a small grain of sand relatable. Um, but I kind of understand where you come from as well. You know, when I left, um, sorry, when I was in Australia, obviously all the COVID sort of stuff happened and lockdown started to come in. So if anything, you know, I was forced to um, be at home. And it's like, what a blessing because it meant that, you know, I meant I, I was able to witness and experience all those firsts um, with Alfie. Um, so was that something, well, I guess, firstly, did you miss a lot of firsts with Isabel? Um, and if did, if you did, you know, how, how was that for you? Because I imagine it would be quite fucking difficult, to be fair. Yeah, I think I think I was quite fortunate. Although I was away quite a bit, I still hit some of the milestones. Um, Amazing. So that that wasn't like something that consciously played on my mind, which was was quite handy. Um, and like I said, when I was um, abroad, when she was really young, it was kind of like a, a dad victory there because there was a lot of sleepless nights that I uh, was missing. If you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Uh, so. <laughs> Whilst whilst we were very busy away and a lot of the guys were moaning about working long hours, I thought it was amazing because uh, <laughs> I wasn't getting woken up every second of the night with a crying baby. So that that was you know a win, but obviously not not being too selfish and talking about myself. That you, you know there, there's definitely things where you think, oh, I would love to have been around for that. And um, I just don't think te- as good as technology is, it doesn't replace that physical presence and being there and seeing it live. You can get a WhatsApp message or some sort of video sent over to you. You can see it live streamed or whatever, but it's just not the same. And I do think, you know, technology is slightly robbing some of our grandparents of that because they think 
by seeing it on social media or sent to them via a video that they've sort of caught up with the grandkids in some respect. Um, mm. and, and maybe that reduces the amount of time they, they come to see grandchildren later on. But I've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole there, so I apologise. I'll get back on track. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's all relevant. I mean, like, you know, I assume... Um, or not, for, for at least for the first few years, you lived in our, our hometown. So, like, you know, were your, both your parents involved a lot as well, or was it something that they weren't? Because, I mean, if they were, that's quite a good opportunity for them. Yeah, so, so I did, like, the first few years uh, with the kids as well, we had, like, a posting quite close to Tomajal, so um, yeah. that wasn't too bad for for my dad seeing... Um, the kids and um, Molly's parents seeing the kids. My mum lived abroad, so it didn't really make any difference to her as such. But and then after that, you know, it was quite difficult when we went abroad and we lived over there for a few years. Um, uh, you know, it's difficult because it's expensive for people to visit. It's time consuming. Mm. I've got to get out there and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, the sort of school with where you've lived and stuff is it's not always easy and people got to plan in advance. And then also you've got the house size to put people up. And um, there's one thing like a, a grandparent visiting. There's another thing, them staying for like a whole week and telling you oh, how absolutely. to like, look after the kids after a while. It's a bit like everyone gets worn down by it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As much, as much as you want some grandparent help and guidance, there's only so much you can take at one time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. I imagine that there was probably quite a few people in a similar boat as you, um, some of your fellow workmates. Um, could you take a lot of solace in the fact that you could kind of, that you were both, you know, you guys were in the same boat or were you kind of just out there on a limb by yourself? No, there's definitely a support network in my sort of workplace. Yeah, people understand that you're going to be. Um, away from home they understand that you, your wife might not have the support that she does in her hometown um say so, say so there's sort of like welfare facilities and bits and pieces that are in place uh, and especially when you, you serve abroad like there's a bit more of a, a community so mm. people almost look to, to help as much as they can and, and provide that uh, extra childcare and bits and pieces that that perhaps a, a relative or a close friend would have, but at the same time, that also brings with it some like difficulties and frictions. Like Molly felt sometimes a bit overwhelmed by people in Germany and you know how much mm. people want to be involved in your life all the time. Um, it it's just it's quite full on. So it, there's a balance to be had uh, and and trying to be, you know making good new friends that are going to help you and you help them, but at the same time, not sort of suffocating each other with, with being there all the time, you know, you need a mm. bit of space as well, as well as the support. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, you kind of touched on it before, but Molly obviously had to take even more responsibility for, the kids um you know how was that in terms of again you being sort of at work effectively um you know i imagine obviously it's 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 difficult but for her 
if you can speak on it, you know, how was it for her? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly when we were abroad, it was tough, you know, she didn't, um, she went from a really good, like, support network, very, very good friends, really close network of people, um, also mates from um, antenatal classes that were going through similar things to then taken to another country, speaking a different language, um, and, you know, none of that support network's there. So it's very, very difficult. Um, and of course, like I said, I was, I was away quite a bit. So I can't, I can't begin to imagine, you know, the difficulties of, of that from, from her perspective. Um, but she, she sort of overcame it and uh, made the most of it. She sort of froze herself into those situations uh, and saw the positives, which, which is really good. I think you've always got to try and be optimistic at the situation at hand um, and try and get the most from it. Otherwise, if, if you're always negative, I think it just, it just, makes those bad vibes come through more and uh, it just makes life a bit more difficult so yeah she definitely threw herself into it but I think after the, the couple of years we were there she was very ready to come back to the UK mm. uh, and not have that that sort of added additional complexity yeah fair so yeah <laughs> um so I was thinking like you know obviously you 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 know, to, for the most part, you know when you're going to be deployed. <clears throat> so, I mean, did you, were you able to be at Isabel's birth and at Ollie's birth? Or was that something that um, you weren't be able to be there? Yeah, so I'm, I'm very fortunate. I was at both, both births, which is great. But, um, sorry, dogs, like, trying to get involved in the interview in the background. Um, <laughs> I, I was very fortunate. And I have to I have to say the the military are really good at supporting people to get back to to be there for the birth of their child. Um, oh, wow, okay. they, they take that very seriously, and you know fly people back from all corners of the globe to try and make that that crucial special moment. So there's uh, there's definitely networks and um, systems in place to facilitate that. So yeah, I can't can't really complain in that fact. So I was there for the whole event <laughs> and how was the event for you yeah i mean it's you're never quite prepared are you, you go to those antenatal classes <laughs> you uh you take the piss with the other dads and uh, all the wives look at you as if to say you're not at school now stop being an idiot you know this is serious <laughs> and you're like yeah no. i'm just gonna rugby past this plastic baby to this new friend that i've made um, so it, you know, it never never really prepares you, and uh, and then you get again there, and you think you've got, you know, the best plan. I certainly like to think of myself as as quite structured and think things through and had it all laid out and all planned and turned up to um, a hospital and I had my like grab bag all kid good to go as you'd expect for a yeah. good minute and sleeping bags air bed. <laughs> I'm going to stay there overnight. Everything's good. <laughs> I got into the first um, like room. I set up shop. I was like, "Sweet, this is good. We're we're good, right? You happy, Molly?" She's like, "Oh yeah, you know, not really happy. I won't tell you what she said." Um, and, <laughs> and then uh, dilated to X amount of centimeters, and then the nurse came in and was like, "Right, we're going to move you down to the next next room." Uh, and I was like, well, "Hang on a minute. I thought we were staying here." No, no, that you got to move to the next room because you're at this stage now. So I packed up all the stuff. I moved down to oh, the next nice. room. Good reset up and then they're like no 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 
she's she's dilated a bit more so we're moving you to the labor room i was like how many rooms are in this blinking place you know like keep setting up everything keep getting myself in in position um thinking that it's all going to kick off and then uh yeah so that that was a bit of a non-starter and then um, unfortunately with Isabel, we had to have a um had to have an emergency c-section which was a little bit more mm -hmm. more traumatic than uh we, we perhaps planned for but i think i think um giving birth is, is such a amazing thing but so difficult and still so almost seems so archaic some of the the, the, the tools of the trade that these doctors bring out mm. and think you know it's 20 2021 and you're really going to use those on my wife Oof. yeah but, it's um yeah it is definitely mental um you know they bring out the chainsaw and you're like yo okay you don't i've got like a laser cutter or something that can do that a bit better like, come on! <laughs> so, I, I honestly, I take take my hat off to the girls. They do uh, an absolute sterling job, and uh, I couldn't imagine, you know, doing that myself. So, I mean, we, you were just a bit of a passenger in the whole process. You just got to be there to support and, and do your thing. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty full on. Yeah, I um, I remember when we had Alfie, and we you know, in the hospital, all, you know, going through the motions. And um, firstly, I think memory serves right. She, Sophie was in labor and um, like, oh, you can't stay. You have to wait until you know, she's ready. She's, it's, she's fully dilated. So I was like, okay. So I had to leave. So I went back home. And it already been a bit of a full on day, you know, all the rest of it. And um, just like yourself, you know, I had my grab bag ready to go. So it was all exciting and, you know, rushing adrenaline and endorphins are popping off everywhere. And then um, just to get told, oh, actually, you got to just, you know, jet back home and come back when we call you. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I go back home and so she's all right, she's good. And I'm back at home, you know, go to sleep. And I wake up at like seven from about 30 missed calls. Well, I look back and I see I've had like 30 <laughs> missed calls and it's been like an hour and a half that Sophie's been trying to get through to me and my phone's gone on like automatic do not disturb mode until seven o'clock in the morning. And like, so I just completely <laughs> forgot to um, to turn that off because, you know, one of the most uh, important days of one's life and I'm just like, oh yeah, I just didn't even think to take off the dis do not disturb. So, <clears throat> so I get there, I'm rushing in get in the car, rush in. And then, you know, it went on for quite a while, but you know, I was like, I was starving. You know, I was so hungry and, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to just quickly nip down and get some food. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, Sophie's quite chilled and relaxed. I was like, all right, good, good, good. So I come back and I've got some like, I've got like five chipolatas, I've got some bacon, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. And she's like, right. Yeah, you know, like the wall was broke. I'm like, oh my God, okay. Like, what do I need to do? And, you know, one thing, and I think I touched on this in um, another one of the episodes, is that I didn't realize that, like, I thought the wall broke and it was like how it was on the movies, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. It's crazy. Was not expecting yeah, that. So, you know, she's got some towels stuck in between her legs and. And I'm pushing on her back, like to try and ease some of the pain while she's like having these like 
early contraptions whilst bit of bacon's hanging out my mouth and I'm like mm, and a bit of ABBA is going on on the on the stereo legit ABBA as well like you know um hey mate so, we went for the classical we, we went an Audi <laughs> oh nice <laughs> Yeah, that's brilliant. Trying to relax, chill it down. <laughs> but it was funny. The uh, the, uh, the oh, we were dancing queen and all that everywhere. Oh, amazing! You certainly got to have your rat. You've got you've got to have your playlist um, sorted. That's 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 really important. We had um, midwives and nurses coming in and being like, "Oh, it's so it's almost like a spa retreat in here." Oh, little <laughs> did they know. <laughs> little did they know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, Sophie also, she had to have an emergency C-section as well. And, like, it's such a weird one, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, you're there and they're pushing and, you know, I was, like, I was, like, helping, right, like, as much as I could. And and I was, like, holding her legs and while she was pushing to try and, like, help with that. And... Um, and then suddenly they're like, oh, we're doing an emergency C-section. And it just it just is so quick. And then suddenly, like, you're giving, like, this, like, these scrubs. And they're like, right, you need to go and put these on. And you're like, oh, all right, cool. And then, yeah, it's um, pretty nuts. And then suddenly then there's a baby that gets lifted up. And um, your parents now. <laughs> it's uh, it's so surreal. We Very similar to you guys. We had... Um... So yeah, the the um, surgeon or the midwife elected that we should go um, go and have that emergency C section, and suddenly Molly gets given a load of paperwork which basically says sign your life away if we make a mistake and you die. There's risks involved and all that lot, and you're like, oh my god, this is crazy. And then they whisked her in, and yeah. the uh, mid- midwife gave me some scrubs and some Crocs, and then I remember looking at these Crocs. <laughs> Get get these on as soon as possible because you know your wife's in there. She's she's gonna have to go under pretty soon. And I was like, cool. Um, have you have you got any bigger Crocs? Because I looked at them and I was like, these are tiny. <laughs> you, you know, I'm quite like a big guy. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, uh, uh, what, well, what sort of size are you? And I was like, well, like eleven, you know. And these look about six. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, no, uh, oh, actually, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll go and get you some. I'll go and get you some other ones. And then she came rushing back in. She's like, really sorry. All we've got is like a nine. And I was like, well, yeah, that, I mean, that's fine. If that's what you so then I put like scrubs on and I get the, the Crocs on. I've never worn Crocs in my life, but get these Crocs on. And like half my heels <laughs> hanging out the back of these Crocs. Uh, and then, so I'm trying to walk into like theater and Molly's there on the bed in absolute, you know, turmoil like getting ready to yeah. get all jabbed up and uh, and opened up. And then I like shuffling in like a 16 year old girl in high heels for the first time. Um, and Molly's <laughs> looks at me. She's like, what are you doing? Why are you walking so funny? And I'm like, just don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. I can't exactly complain about the crocs when you're in absolute pain. You know, it's just like one of those yeah. things that's so surreal. Yeah, so so surreal. But I just never forget, like the doctor got the sheet, like put it all up there, and then like lifted it up. Mm. She she was like, "Oh, you might want to sit down." I was like, "No, no, it's fine." You know, not really that squeamish type type person. Um, So Mm. I'll I'll stand up, and then 
they they opened Molly up and some blood like flew over near me and I was like, I'll sit down, I'll sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Hold your hand, Molly. Oh God, if I I pass out, it'd be horrendous. So I just need to sit down and just, you know, hold your hand and and make sure you're all right. She's like, what's going on? I was like, no, no, don't worry about that. They're they're, they're doing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And did, um, and did Isabel come out all, all good and everything? Yeah, no, she, she came out fine. They, she was quite um, far in. They had to like really pull her out of the old sunroof, as they say. But she was, mm. uh, she was, she was good. Nice, healthy baby. Thank, thank goodness. So, yeah, can't complain. And um, Molly made a full recovery for for round two with Ollie. So, <laughs> which is um, how and how was it with Ollie? So o- Ollie, we sort of saw it going the same way. So we kind of elected um, quite early on to go for a C-section. So it was considered on paper an emergency C-section, but it, in reality, it was like an elected one. It was totally different to Isabel. Mm. It was it was mega chill. The doctor was calm. Everyone in there was calm. You know, she's like just. It, it took probably three times as long. I I was given good set of Crocs. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was all right. It, that that was fine. Pretty straightforward compared to um, the poor old Isabel. And he came out like he was asleep. Like, oh my god, what's happened? You know. Whereas Isabel came out screaming. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally different experience, but but same surgical procedure. That's crazy. I, I, ours was we actually just elected for, or not we. Sophie decided um, to elect for uh, to have elected um, C section. So just like you it was very chill we knew the exact like day time all of that um and it was yeah it was kind of surreal because it was like i don't know it was just so different from the last time you know the last time as we've said it was kind of like in a rush and like not panic in a bad way but just like you know it was scatty um to use a really old word i haven't said in years uh but yeah it was really scatty but this time it was um yeah, it was it was yeah very much to say very calm and chilled and everything was taking its time and but when when they um, cut open Soph they were like oh he's going to be an Olympic swimmer there was like apparently there was like more water in there than there's supposed to be it was just like <laughs> all everywhere um, but he came out and he was like like navy blue like. Oh. Like, like I shit you not, he was like navy blue. So I was like, Papa Smurf. It was such a weird one because it, was, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. It's like a little Smurf, and I was like, this is really odd. Like, wow, but also she's blue. Um, what? So like they were like, you know, like this is your daughter, and we're like, oh, like yeah. So she's really blue, and we're like, yeah. Like, yeah, we're going to warm her up and and stuff. And she had, like, loads of um, water in her lungs. Oh, right. That they had to, like, suck out with, like, um, a ventilator-type deal. Um, But, yeah, she was, like, literally navy blue when she came out. Like, um, I have to send you a picture of her because it's pretty mad. Like, I didn't think that... It's also worrying, isn't it, when, like, stuff like that and you instantly concerned that there's something wrong or something's not right and uh, and yeah like like you say the color of them i mean our kids were never blue but 
just doesn't really prepare you for what you see on films, does it? <laughs> no, not at all. Like films, like I don't know. Like I feel like some things are obvious that that's not how it is in the movies, and some things you think, oh, they do their due diligence. It's at least similar and it's like yeah it's not really the same at all it's quite different like (laughs) um yeah it's super super different but i mean all is well obviously um which is that's the best part of it everything is all good that that is the main thing molly never lets me forget when um the first thing i said about isabel so uh she came out obviously it was all quite hectic and uh everyone was pretty panicky and then she came out and then they took her straight over to sort of like check her over and stuff like that molly was obviously Mm. quite emotional uh, and i was making sure she was all right she lost a lot of blood and stuff like that then she's like go go and see the baby go and see the baby well i just want to make sure like you know you're all right because you know it's pretty pretty you know big surgical procedure you've just gone through she's like no no go and see the baby go and see the baby Isabel and then she was like is she, is she beautiful and I was like no darling but she's ours <laughs> so <laughs> Molly never lets me forget that and she's like I can't believe you said that all the uh all the midwives <laughs> giggling and I was like what what's wrong with that I still love her she's ours and she's like I'll say that uh, it's cool. classic <laughs> but yeah that is but brilliant yeah, never. I never, never, never lets me forget that. Which, which I'm, you know, one of those things I kind of wish I maybe didn't say, but I'm sure it'll come out at her, uh, her wedding speech or 18th or something like yeah, that. Definitely, say, yeah, definitely. She's turned into a lovely girl. <laughs> yeah, and we still love her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, moving forward, in terms of like with your career. You know, you, you mentioned how now you're back to being um, de- being deployed, if if need be. So, I mean, is that something that that's just ongoing now, or is that something that potentially could change? Or so it's uh, you know it's it's pretty much ongoing. Sometimes um, it can sort of. Uh, frequency could increase uh, other times it can can decrease so at the moment I'm sort of like on a, a decreased deployment cycle um, but in the next year or so it will start to increase again with the opportunity to get sent somewhere for you know three six nine months will, will come come to fruition I'm sure and you know we talk about it all, all the time like how you know we would deal with that but there's only so much sort of planning you can do and thinking ahead. Mm. It, it's you, know, you, you you can't plan for every eventuality. So we kind of keep it on the back burner, uh, and then when it comes, it comes, and, and then we work it out from there. We're quite fortunate that Molly's parents are quite hands-on, but evidently they're getting they're getting older, and the kids are getting you know busier and harder to look after mm. and they're, they're, you know difficult difficult to be able to look after them when you're in your early 70s and you've got two pretty active kids that just want to run around and do things so yeah we have to balance it up a little bit but molly um molly works from home um so that that makes it easier still mm. she's got to do work it certainly makes 
kind of more flexible than perhaps she was when she worked in an office. Yeah. yeah. And I imagine the, um, the MID has, you know, a good, uh, a good support <clears throat> with like childcare and things like that as well. Well, I mean, not, not really. So they do have childcare facilities on, on, sort of like military establishments and that but most people choose to like use private or like external civilian like yeah. um, childcare facilities and we now have decided that we're going to keep the family in one location um, and I'm just going to do the moving about so it's something I didn't mention now it's like a decision we made probably two three years ago no two years ago where so I would do the weekly commute to, you know, a location, and then um, mm. Molly and the kids stay in, in our private house that we bought. So we did one stage. We did live in like military accommodation, um, mm-hmm. so Molly was very much like with me, either inside the wire or outside the wire, um, and on site, so to speak. Now she's very much removed, like in the real world, with her mates who don't have military husbands and you know mm. so sometimes they don't get it as such but a lot of them understand because they're, they're not stupid but um yeah so i do that weekly commute now and the kids go to just a normal school um and a nursery near us so it just we made that decision so we kept that continuity so they didn't have to make friends every two years and molly didn't have to like find a new place to work and stuff like that otherwise it's that that's stressful you know yeah, absolutely. Um, do you feel that, I mean, maybe not so much Ollie, or maybe he's starting to now, but does Isabel <clears throat> sort of understand enough to not be so upset by it? Or, does she, or do you feel like she often gets upset? I mean, it's upsetting regardless, of course, but um, you know what I mean. So... It's funny because, like, I think it comes down to personality as well. And, and Isabel's, she, I mean, she can be quite emotional, but she sort of, she gets the fact that I go away and stuff. Don't get me wrong; she does say to me sometimes, like, "Oh, daddy, can't can you not just have a normal job where, like, you're at home like normal dads?" I'm like, oh. you know, it's difficult sometimes. Um, but but she is quite quite robust with it. Whereas Ollie now is at the age where he's like. I don't want you to go, Daddy. I don't. I want you to. Why? I want you to stay here. Mm. And, I, and I have to say, well, I have to go back, Ollie. I have to go back. And then sometimes in the week, especially, you know, one benefit of COVID is that the MOD become a bit more flexible with working and laptops and being able to work remotely and stuff like that. So, oh, amazing! There has been a last year opportunities where I've worked at home on a Wednesday which just breaks it up a little bit more so when I go back on a Monday morning um Isabel often like comes down to see me she hears me pottering around Mm. like wrestling the dog to get her in the car (laughs) and then um she like gives me a hug and a kiss and then it doesn't feel like too long until uh, I get back Tuesday night and sometimes I try and get back for bath time if I'm not too busy so I get to see them then and then Wednesday I'm at home and, and then Friday I always try and finish a bit early so I can like I put a hard stop in my calendar so everyone knows that I'm not not working past like two o'clock 
um, because I'm going back home to like pick up the kids from school because the one one time a week I pick them up from school and they really like that. They really, mm. you know, they expect that. So there's like an unwritten rule that daddy's going to pick us up Friday with treats and do all the naughty things that I shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, if I have to open the laptop again on Friday evening, so be it. But I just sort of penciled that into my, my work calendar. So people don't book it up with meetings or anything like that. And um, yeah, sort of, sort of made that part of my working week and people just accept it. I think the army are quite good for accepting that sort of things. From an outsider's perspective, I feel like um, that's something that they probably wouldn't be so um, understanding of, which that's quite nice to hear that it does sound quite accommodating as a, as a general. Yeah. And I think it's because they, they understand that, you know, people work away from home. People have got to commute quite a distance, so they just add that bit of flexibility in um, to, to to make your life a little bit easier. And I totally agree with you. I don't think um, people in the real world would would mm. accept that. You know, we just having the afternoon off, kids home from school. Yeah, yeah, no chance. So it's good. That's one one good thing. You know. So six and three. Is there any sort of um chance in the future to be able to do another sort of um to avoid not avoid that's not the right word but to just not do deployments for another period of time or is that your only what you've done that's only what you can do and then unless you go and do some i I, again i don't really know how it works but you know unless you end up doing something that's so there could there could be an option you know to to make yourself sort of not deployable or non-deployable um it's just again it would be another sidestep career path wise that you uh you have to make decisions you know you're going to make the decision for your, your career long term or you're going to make a decision that benefits your family um it, it and that's another another bridge i have to cross mm. at the time i think at the moment i've been quite fortunate we've had quite a bit of continuity at home um and I haven't gone away for a little while, so they would probably be gunning for me in the new year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I was thinking, like, you know, you've had this experience. Is this something that, you know, or rather what sort of um, advice would you give to other people in your situation or not situation it's not quite right but you know what i mean in your position um yeah. or people who I get what you mean. don't have kids who are thinking about having kids and you know one of them is part of the military etc like you know is there any sort of advice you would give to people so first of all i think you know it's uh it's really difficult to to sort of plan um, and the reason I say that is you might decide, hey, this is the perfect time to have kids, but then it might take you a year and a half, two years to even conceive, which is, you know, some of the troubles that some people have to go through. Absolutely. Um, uh, and so that can totally scupper, you know, one posting. You might think, oh, God, this is the, you know, the perfect time. I'm not deplorable or I'm, I'm going to be close to the family network, this is when we do it. But, you know, nature might have other plans. So 
that's my sort of like bottom line up front. But saying that, if you can find an opportunity where you think, hey, there's 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 time in the sort of forecast of events where we don't seem that busy um, and not going out the door to go on operations, then that 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 could be the optimum time. However, just I just think it's very very difficult to plan, and I think I think you just got to accept the fact that you might might be away a little bit, but you know. If you are away for six months, say, then you tend to get a decent amount of leave afterwards. Uh, and I know it's like that seems like all or nothing, where you you you're not there, and then suddenly you're there too much. And right. It, it's it's difficult to strike a balance between the two, but unfortunately, that that is sort of life in the military. Um, but you you can use it to your advantage. You know, when you when you have children for the first time it, it's expensive especially if you're on a dual salary and you're paying the mortgage with your wife and she's got maternity leave and stuff like that you can move into mm. a married quarter and then the rent is much much more affordable than paying your own mortgage so therefore that can offset the fact that your wife suddenly is not earning any money or on maternity pay etc so there, there are some benefits to it yeah it's just the time away from the family is obviously is difficult and i would say the best bit of advice i'd give to, to anyone is just try and balance that because you could go through the military uh, and become one of the highest ranks uh, and look back at your career and think god i've done well but if your kids don't really know you and mm. they're sort of shipped off to boarding school and stuff like that i mean it's it, you might not have that relationship with them when you're old and gray and they might not want to know you because you, you haven't put that effort in that you have in your career. But that's not really bespoke to being in the military. That's that's just being a father, isn't it? So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, that's definitely relative to everybody. You know, if you have just a regular nine to five and you want to earn more money, let's say, and climb the ranks, you have to have a give and take. Yeah. And the, it's the biggest... Um, bit of advice and i can't remember someone did give it to me it's not it's not from me um they, they said like when you're there be there hmm. don't you know don't come back open the laptop don't come back play on your phone put all that those electronic devices to one side and you know when you're back it's quality time with the kids and that's part of the reason that molly and i decided that i would do the weekly commute because when I was working in one job, it was close-ish to home. Um, but by the time I commuted back, which was about an hour, and then my, I came in and I was tired, and I was like a bit of an argument with Molly about who's had the busiest day, and then the kids are like groggy because they come back from school and, you know, trying to like bath them, not drown them. <laughs> and then like it's just – it just like I felt that – we were working against each other, not working with each other as a team. Mm. So now like being away a couple of days and then coming back and then being away a couple of days means that when I'm back, I'm dad and you know, I can solely focus on, on those guys and, and doing a bit of reading with them and playing with them and, you know, just being an idiot like most dads are and roughing them up. And stuff. Yeah. So you did touch on this uh, briefly earlier and something I wanted to ask you um, if you're able to sort of talk on it 
Um, I have a a friend who was in the military here in Sweden, and then he's now like private security um, abroad somewhere. And so he's like six weeks on, six weeks off. So when you when you're going on um, deployments, yeah, deployments, um, is that do you have like an equal time off as you do when you're there? I mean, I imagine if it's nine months, you're not going to just then have nine months off, obviously. But how does that kind of work? So, so you know, you work pretty long hours and stuff when you're there, and like in the middle ideally you would have a break but the sort of leave window opens within the first month of you being away to like the last month of you being there so uh, i would always try and let some of the junior guys get those those nicer windows in the middle what breaks it up and i'd try and sort of take one that's not so desirable um which is equally Mm. quite rubbish you can either just spend a month away and then have a couple of weeks off and then you've got five and a half months left or you can do five and a half months come back for two weeks and then go back and then come back again which is equally pretty pants but after the whole sort of deployment um there's there's often a period where you've accrued some leave and you get some sort of post-tour leave as well um so so there is opportunity to to have some sort of decompression time and uh, spend with the family and go away and do stuff. Uh, and most of the time, the guys and girls have accrued some some pretty good money because they haven't been able to spend it. So they go on some nice holidays and, and bits and pieces like that. So there are opportunities like that. And then what the army try and do is, is try not to sort of like deploy you again quite close after you've got back. Not always the case, but they try and leave those those soldiers alone and uh, let them sort of rest and recuperate and then start a new training cycle. But that, in a perfect world, that's what should should happen. And to be fair, I've, I've pretty much, you know, had good leave off after, after I've come back from being away, which is good. Yeah, nice. Um, and then sort of lastly, everything that you have experienced so far, <clears throat> obviously you have a son and a daughter, you know, is is your career path something that you would want or feel comfortable with them? I mean, not really comfortable, you know, they can do whatever they want, but, you know, would you be overly supportive in them following your footsteps or would you sort of have a cautionary tale? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it, it, it's a tricky one. I think um, my... My advice to Isabel Oliver, if they wanted to join the army, would, would be, you know, join for a short time, get as much as you can from, from the army and go and do the adventure train, have some excitement, but then then come out into the, to the real world and sink your teeth into a different career path. Uh, you know, I hung around because maybe didn't have the best uh, education record from school and um, <laughs> I've sort of used the army to my advantage to to bolster that up and um, improve myself and uh, and my opportunities for when I do leave. Uh, and I also enjoyed the sort of sport on option uh, opportunities and, uh, and all that sort of bits and pieces. But yeah, if I, if I can 
get them into a position where they, they might join for a bit of fun and then and then leave after sort of like four or five years. I think that that would be the perfect solution. But who knows if they want to do it and do the whole thing and stay in as long as I have, then then I wouldn't stop them. Like you say, it's totally up to them. It's their decision. I think Molly, as a mother, would be slightly more worried. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. We'll have to uh, revisit this interview in like what fifteen years time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, I think um, that's a good place to to end it. Um, re- again, really appreciate you taking your time because um, I know your time is very precious to sit down and have a chat with me. Um, it's been pretty damn good. To be fair, oh, no, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. I've uh, I've enjoyed chatting to you. It's been good fun. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, look. With that being said, if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. And if it's not, welcome back. Parents Uncut is released every week for your enjoyment. Come back often. Leave a comment. Send to a friend and follow me on Instagram at Aaron Hollands. Big shout to Sneakers and Stuff, SNS Radio and Shoe Shane for making this possible. Until next time, take care.